Welcome, everyone, to the Dex and Dad Review Books Podcast. This week, we are going to review a book called Ember by Jeannie Duprow. This was written in 2003. Target age group for this book, Dex? What do you think? 12. You're, you're probably 12 and up. 12 and up. And, well, you're only 11. How did we, <laughs> how did we not get screened out at the bookstore? Whoops. Actually, I don't know how this book actually got in our house, do you? Neither do I. I think it just ended up on our bookshelf. Yeah, so this is a book that appeared magically. Oh, th- it's called The City of Ember. Good to know. Uh, it appeared magically on our, on our bookshelves. Written in 2003. And uh, what's the genre, Dex? Give us a sense. Uh, fantasy, something like that. Cool. I agree. I think it's something like that. Do you want to give uh, a little synopsis of what the book's about? Okay, so the basic premise is that Lina and Dune, which used, which used to be friends and then they sort of drifted apart, and um, Lina discovers a little little chest, a gobbly wonker, um, <laughs> And it basically... A, a copperly wonker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And there's something in the chest. And it's a piece of paper. It's all messed up. And it's basically how to get out of the city. Because, and also the city is going downhill. So that is really helpful. Yeah, they're living in a city that seems like it's on its last legs or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, good. And, and so the story is two young kids having an adventure... Yeah, trying to get out. Exactly. So there you have it. Jeannie Duprow, and the book is The City of Ember. Okay, Dex, so let's get started. I would put this book in the probably post-apocalyptic category. Right? Yeah. Like, this city's really weird. Yes. Let, let, no. It's, it's not a happy place, right? Yeah. Let's let's talk about how the city feels. What what's the main element that's weird about this place? The sky is just black. Right. It is not existent. Is, is there sunlight in this place? Uh no. 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 What what gives them light? Uh just like street lights and stuff and they don't even know about matches or candles or even boats. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So all that stuff comes up in the book. There's matches and candles and boats, and they don't have, they haven't inherited like the word for candle, even. Yeah. They don't know what it, they're looking at a candle and they don't go, oh, here's these old fashioned things. They don't know what a candle is. Yeah, I never, I didn't understand that. Like, I mean, just because you're sort of like cut off doesn't mean, like, I don't know. It's, Right, that brings up a really interesting thing. This writer doesn't tell you where this city is, why this city is. Is it in Jupiter? Is it in her head? You know, right? We don't know why they live the way they do. The thing they do, there's a hint. They say the builder. They're always talking about the builders. Yeah. Of the city. Which are the dudes that made it. <laughs> yeah. So they live in a place that was intentionally set up for them. But it's got all these constraints, and but we don't know if the reason they don't know basic facts and like normal vocabulary is because 
the book occurs in a weird dimension that we don't know about as just modern people. She doesn't tell us. She doesn't give us a clue on that. Yeah. We find out in the end, though. Yeah. Why they're restricted. Yeah, the but like seriously, matches and candles are. He couldn't. Right. God knows. So they live in this super limited world that is what it is, doesn't have a sun, is supposedly designed by something called builders, but you don't know if that's real. That could be a the town myth or whatever. Basically, we're as confused as them. Yeah. Which I like. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the, the things that are scarce in their life. Like, what, what don't they have that we have plenty of that seemed really weird? Like... Basic, basic things like torches and yeah. stuff. What, what about other non-light stuff? Like they've got food problems, right? Oh, yeah. They, they don't have like they, they have very limited food, and that's uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. They, I mean, they're excited about fruit cups. Like that was the best thing ever. Yeah. Yikes. Let alone fresh fruit or whatever, right? Yeah, holy cow. Uh, If you don't mind, I'm going to do the part where I read right now because it'll set up the layout of how the story goes forward because it's at the beginning when the kids are getting their, like, assignments. The kids are in their schoolroom and the mayor has come and they're graduating from school at age 12. At this school, the kids learn what they're going to do for a living, basically. So here we go. This is from page 11. Even before the mayor could say next, she stood up and stepped forward. I should say that this is Lina. This is Lina. The little bag was made of faded green material, gathered at the top with a black string. Lina hesitated a moment and put her hand inside and fingered the bits of paper. Feeling as if she were stepping off a high building, she picked one. She unfolded it. The words were written in black ink and small, careful printing. Pipeworks laborer, they said. She stared at them. Out loud, please, said the mayor. Pipeworks, laborer, Lina said in a choked whisper. Louder. Pipeworks, laborer, Lina said again. Her voice was loud but cracked. There was a sigh of sympathy from the class. Keeping her eyes on the floor, Lina went back to her desk and sat down. Pipeworks laborers worked below the storerooms in the deep labyrinth of tunnels that contained embers, water, and sewer pipes. They spent their days stopping up leaks and replacing pipe joints. It was wet, cold work. It could even be dangerous. A swift underground river ran through the pipeworks, and every now and then someone fell into it and was lost. People were lost occasionally in the tunnels, too, if they strayed too far. So that's a a pretty good place to start. It it demonstrates one of the things that I think the writer does really well, which is telling you all about Ember while keeping the story moving with plot points. She's frequently having something happen. So Lina's reading about the pipeworks, but the reader gets to learn all about the pipe. You see how she kind of put all that in there? Yeah. Like all that matters, right? The tunnels and the river and uh, like these are all the storerooms. These are like major features in the book. And she just sort of snuck that in there. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty smart. That was one of my favorite things about the writing is it's just, it's really tight. And like in a pretty short story, 
she gives you a, a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. So Lina and Dune are old friends. You were sort of mentioning that at the beginning. They, uh, they've kind of had a falling out because they're growing up or something and kids grow apart. Boys and girls, especially. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know why there. So, uh, but then he does her a big favor, right? What What is Dune? Uh, yeah, Lina wants to be a messenger. Dune gets the messenger role and he uh, gives it to Lina. Yeah, not because he likes her so much, but because he thinks being a messenger is kind of stupid, right? Yeah. Because Dune, like, straight up wants to save the world, right? Yeah. Save the city. That's one more thing we should say. As far as we know, and, and I mean, it's pretty obvious, in the book, the city is the world. Yeah, to them. Yeah. I mean, And anybody like, who leaves the city, what happens to them? I mean, they usually get lost or dead. Or they come back because they're scared, because... Because they don't know about flashlights, so when they leave the lights of the city, they're just stumbling around in the dark, right? Yeah, it's also, yeah, it's completely dark. It's completely dark everywhere you go outside the city. That's one of the coolest sort of mysteries, I think. Could you use candles? Uh, well, it, not if yeah, you don't I have know, them. Yeah, I know, but like, yeah. is this one all candles? Yeah. Give me. So, uh, and nobody's invented that, so. And we don't know how long these people have been living like this. It is a weird, it's a very weird, you cannot... You cannot not want to keep reading just to find out what on earth is going, right? It's just a huge mystery. So in addition to the fact that these people live in the dark and they live with the under artificial light all the time, you said the city's having trouble. What is the trouble that seems to be happening lately? Well, the the trouble is that um, food and... Light and everything is running low. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like this perfect society that got created isn't perfect anymore. Right. And there's also, like every story, there's good guys and bad guys. Right. Yep. So, pretty straightforward. Lina's a good guy. Lina's the main. We're, we're following the story through Lina. Right. Yeah. Um, but Dune, too. I, oh, before I get to good guys and bad guys, I was going to ask you which of those two, who do you relate to more, Lina or Dune? Which one's more Dexter-like? Probably Lina. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Dune. No, Dune is a poop head. <laughs> why is Dune a poop head? Oh, now we got to put an explicit warning on there. Um, why, why, why don't you relate to Dune? He's too serious? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. He's really intense for a 12-year-old. He's like, ah, we got to fix this. Okay, well, then I won't say that it didn't remind me of you. If you think he's a poop, that doesn't go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, he just seems super like, uh, like he likes technical things. That's why I thought you would relate to him. Because yeah. he's like, oh, well, I want to do this and that. You know, it's very like getting his hands on stuff. And there's other good guys like Lina lives. Who, who's she living with? What's her, what's her living situation? Uh, she's living with her grandma and sister. Yeah. And grandma is good, but there's a problem with grandma, too. Yeah, she's cuckoo. <laughs> she's, she's just getting old, right? There's a little Alzheimer's or something going on. Um, and grandma, like almost every adult, owns a shop. 
that doesn't really seem to be necessary, but seems to be how they've set up this city, right? Yeah. And she's just got odd bits or something of little pieces of cloth that she sells. But So Lina doesn't have much of a home life. Dune maybe has a little bit of a better home life, but there's really like very little adult help in this book, right? It's just the kids. Yeah. But there are some bad adults around. Who's, who's the main kind of villain of the story? Spoilers. Oh, just spoilers? Yeah, okay. Well, in general, in every story that anybody ever wrote about it, any culture, are the people in government good people or bad people? Usually bad. <laughs> right. So that's not a spoiler. We'll just say that. Yeah. The kids have to also work against their own government to get this sorted out. Okay, this is uh, towards near the end of the book. <clears throat> he went up Pot Street side of Empty River Road Square, where an poster hung crookedly on the kiosk. And he was headed toward North Street when suddenly the lights f- flickered and went out. He jolted to a stop. Stand still and wait. That was his automatic response. In the distance, he heard a dip in the sound of the singing, some startled voices breaking the flow. But then the sun rose again, defying the darkness. For a moment, all thoughts vanished from Dune's mind, and there was nothing but the fearless words of this song. Black as sleep and deep as dreaming, darkless like an endless night, yet within the streets of Ember, brave and brightly the shine that our light. <laughs> he sang, standing still in the blackness. As the song ended, he waited. The lights would surely come back soon. For a few minutes, there was silence. Then spoilers happened. But suddenly, with a flash of joy, he remembered. He didn't have to wait for the lights to come back on. He had what Gnosis and November had before ever. A way to see in the dark. That is what he had. Okay, so that's that's Dune getting caught in one of the scary blackouts, right? Yeah. I still don't know why that made you laugh so hard, but we'll just let's just move on, right? Um, and the blackouts are. One of the things that's making the kids worry most of all, because there's no sun, and if there's only electric lights, if that's going to lose control, that means the world is basically going to come to an end for them, right? Yeah. So they're on a time limit for solving this problem. At least their vision, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the thing that uh, got found by Lina and what it is? Because that's sort of their key to solving this. What, what's the... What's the document they're examining all the time? Right, yeah. So it's the piece of paper. Uh, it's a piece of paper, and it, it, it's all messed up because her sister chewed on it because she's a baby. Oh, I forgot that. Right. They had basically like a treasure mark or a treasure map or directions, basically. Yeah, and then... And, and what do they think it's called? Because they, they had to put the letters all back together, so things are sort of sketchy. Attention at instructions for Egreston, or Egress, which is exit. E- Egreston is what they think. They're trying to figure out, like, it's a 
they think it's a thing. They're trying to figure out what they just have the letters E G R E S or something. Right? Yeah, then they realize it's egress. Yeah, exactly. So that's their little their, why these are the kids that are able to try and save the day. And we won't give away whether they save the day, uh, but the answer is maybe and kind of. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It has maybe a and kind relatively of. Relatively happy ending, but not like everything's solved kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean. There are, like, a bunch of sequels. Ah, so, yeah. So this story ends pretty satisfyingly, but definitely sets up for there to be more. This one's called City of Ember, and then the next one's going to be Little Ember on the Prairie. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's going to be more, right? Yeah, it's we like... Have, uh, em- Ember in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us. That's it for this week. This podcast was produced by Phineas Brady. The podcast was edited by Phineas Brady. The podcast was conceived, as you can tell, by nobody in particular. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.